Thank you, Janet Lee. You know, folks, um, an interesting thing about a person who plays music. I remember when sometimes I would be playing and people would come to me and say, do you play by heart or can you read music? And uh, then I would tell them, well, you know, I, do, I, do, I can do both. But to me, when someone says play by heart, I, I don't think of it just meaning do you play by memory. I think in terms of it meaning like you play by the heart of your spirit. You, it, it's just something deep. And that is how Jan plays. But I, I can tell you that she also reads music quite well. And one time, uh, 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 fairly a good size, not huge, but a good size uh, Episcopalian church whose organist uh, got sick on the pipe organ, uh, got hold of us and, and asked if Jan could fill in uh, for this period of, of this person's sickness. And of course that meant, you know, being able to read that uh, uh, music that had been uh, used by the organist for uh, the church and she just went in there and did an awesome job and and uh, you know I think people didn't hardly want the the original uh, organist back but he was actually quite good but he was just a little bit sort of cranky but <laughs> thank God for Janet Lee uh, I, did, I didn't mean to be that extensive in my description but uh, God bless you all and, and uh, so guess what today is Sunday and uh, this is uh, April 17th, 2016, and today we are presenting Exodus, Exodus Escape 25 via the Job, Elijah, and Ezekiel whirlwind connections to the Moses Reveals. Well, we have so much to share today. <laughs> I don't know how much we'll be able to get done, but there'll be another day, and we'll just keep this going until we have finished the revelation or maybe not finished it but we have satisfactory uh satisfactorily spoken the extent that we want so i've made all kinds of notes here and i'm just going to share these and i'll also do some reading of our printout but you know in genesis 5:24, it says and no doubt that was a synodeki or Synodaki, as I like to say it. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You have to keep in mind that this book of Genesis was written by Moses. So when we're talking about this Moses escape, you have to know that during this time of all the Shekinah glory, of the signs and the wonders, the crossing of the Red Sea, the miracles, all the things that were happening with the angels, that that was the time that these five books were written. It's an awesome thing to relate. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So you sort of can get the idea, if you dig into it, that when you walk with God, you cease being average human. You cease maybe even being a human. So this walk with God isn't just quite taking a stroll. In fact, when you look up the Hebrew 
reference in Strong's Concordance, 1980, it means some interesting different kind of thoughts. It's, it can be just a common walk, but it has the deeper element. It means right at the top of the list to fade away, to walk with God, to fade away. So because there's a dualistic aspect and, and because that the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, meaning the physical body has dominance, you have to come into a place where that physical dominance fades away and your spirit can take dominance. We know that the body without the spirit is dead. That's what the scriptures tell us. It is only the spirit in the body that, that triggers the body to have life. And, and all animals, they have spirits, but they don't have soul spirits like the fallen ophanim that are in human bodies have. And other, another thing or two that it means is to go to and fro. And I see all kinds of meanings in that going to and fro. You know, you, you have the idea of you've got to go over to the flesh. You have to keep it going. The body has to keep breathing. There has to be a, a, a considerable amount of cognizance that is going on with the brain in order to keep all the functions of the body, the heart beating, the, the blood circulating, the neurons moving. And it's, there's a lot to it. And so you have to go to and fro and learn how to go to and fro, but with the idea of the body not in dominance. And then... There is two other descriptions. They call this an Enoch walked with God, a way of meaning a lifestyle, that he got into a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of, of, of spirit, a lifestyle of knowing God. And, and, and that was one of the meanings of Enoch walked with God, was he got into this special lifestyle of the spirit and then to give it a further description another meaning of that h 1980 is when the word can mean a pattern of conduct that you develop a pattern of conduct of that going to and fro it it, it can become a a lattice with a supersedent aspect I just think that whole thing is interesting. I think it's beautiful. So, it reaches an epic. It reaches a climax. It goes up an acclivity and touches the summit. Like when Noah and his family were all inside the ark. But there was no way to really seal the door for the tremendous ocean, seas, tidal waves that were coming. But the Bible says in Genesis 7, 16, And the Lord 
capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The four divine, unknown, secret letter, letters of, of the Lord, only known and revealed by a very limited number of, of persons compared to the huge volume of people that are living on the earth. And it's interesting when we read about that. And we read and we see also where in Genesis that it says that that God sent a wind, W-I-N-D, he sent a wind. Now, it's quite interesting how that is worded. Um, it says that he made a wind. And he made this wind so that it would begin to cause the settling down of the of the water and the, and the receding of the water from off the earth. And he made the wind. He didn't, he didn't say he caused the wind to, to blow and it to come. He made the wind. Well, that seems really odd language until you really examine all the possibilities of the meanings of what the word wind here is. Because the word wind here is really whirlwind. And now we see that the introduction to all these great whirlwind revelations, the revelation of the whirlwind to Job, the revelation of the whirlwind to Ezekiel and to Elijah, that they were all preceded, at least in the sense of the essence of the creation being the format, the beginning, received by, by the revelations given to Moses. So that Moses had to have gone back in time to have heard the conversations of some of these people, had to have gone back in time so by being able to go back in time, he preceded the point of having received the revelation of the whirlwind. Even though chronologically, Job seems, the book of Job is like at a later time, although they say it's one of the oldest books of the Bible. Even though chronologically that Chronicles and, and some of the different books that talked about Elijah and the book of Ezekiel. They seem to be a later time. But yet, Moses preceded them by going back in time and talking about this first incident of the whirlwind. Of course, translators just didn't know how to call it a whirlwind to do the kind of job that they were limited in their mind of thinking about. But as time went on, 
and translations began to be expanded by the finding of the the, the, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and by all kinds of new archaeological discoveries that had terms written in rock and written on stones and etc. They begin to understand that that word wind, H5591, that could mean whirlwind, could mean a lot of very interesting things. Well, let me share a few with you. It could mean spirit being, and in an entity, like an immaterial supernatural being, if you look it up in H7308, as that relates to H5591. So you get this thing of spirit also being included in the aspect of the wind and the whirlwind, and you get breath and you get spirit of God. And then there's even a very interesting thing that relates to H7304 being a spacious thing, being refreshed, which is a term that was used to describe the Sabbath and in the revelation of the Holy Manifest, when we get into the Sabbath revelation about how that's tied into Adam and, and Jesus Christ, which we wouldn't have time to even think about going into today. We've touched on it before. This word whirlwind is enormous in its depth and possibilities of insights. So, it's exciting. It's very exciting. And when we keep looking into Genesis, like Genesis fourteen eighteen, we get into the re- revelation of Melchizedek. That's all stuff that's being revealed to, to Moses. And we get into things like Aaron, the brother of Moses, who dies in this mount called Mount Hor, H-O-R. Now, Hor is just another name that can mean mountain. So a lot of these people like the Horites, you know, they got their name because they lived in mountains and they lived in caves. And yet they were, they were related to Jacob, they were related to Esau, they were related to Isaac. And in Numbers 33, 37, when they removed from Kadesh to Mount Hor on the edge of Edom, we just begin to see so many connections because the very word Edom means Esau. And we begin to understand some things. Now, when we tell the story about how that there was this harnessed thing that occurred, which was something similar that happened to Joseph when he came back 
and met his brother Esau. How that the people were set and separated. Well, I want to share something with you today that's just absolutely astounding on that aspect. And it ties into the name, this new name we shared with you called Bama, B-A-M-A-H, which represents high places. And I know that there are people that think that uh, that only refers to idolatry and high places that belong to the dark side. But that is just not the case. That is just not correct. And there's beautiful scripture to offset any, any idea like that. I'll be sharing that with you if I get to it later. But I wanted to cover one very interesting thing. Very interesting thing. We talk about Kadesh, and we talk about that also being Selah. Well, if you go into the Old Testament, like Genesis 14 and 1, you find a word called Anmeshpath. And Anmeshpath means spring of judgment. And this is a perfect description in the strongest concordance of H5880, 5880, because this is exactly a description of the spring or the well that, that comes up in, at Sila to give water to the people of Israel. And so now here is the actual Bible connection with a word rarely associated with Kadesh, but is actually the other name for it, and you can find that right in H5880 of Strong's Concordance. And you can begin to see so many incredible, interesting things. Read Numbers 20, 7 through 11, and just begin to get into some of these things when you have the time. Because these things that we have taught are not frequencies of imagination. Now, when we get into any kind of a deep study of the word Bama, for instance, I have a theological word book of the Old Testament. I rarely ever use it. But as I was walking along the aisles of all of my sets of book, I had a moving of the spirit over by the bookcase. So I walked over and I saw these two books, very handsome looking books, called the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament by R. Lyard Harris, L-A-I-R-D, a little b different pronunciation for that, and Gleason Archer and Bruce Walkey. And these are three top scholars. And in that, they give some very interesting things about Bama. This word I ministered to you that means high place, and I was shown that that is connected to Selah. 
because now we have this other name for Kadesh, which is connected to Sila, which means well of water. And when you, when you really look this up and, and you see this thing about spring up, oh well, the songs that they sung, the miracles that were happening in their being able to find water. Well, they discovered, and this is very interesting, because this word Bama is a cognate found in Alcadian and uh, Yergaritic ancient languages. And one of the most prominent and deep descriptive things that they have found is that this word is convincing, convincingly shown that its basic meaning even over the word height, even more important than the word height, means rib cage and flank. Like derived from the meaning of hillsides, like when we start talking about the Sila, city of Sila, and how that it has all these ridges. So now when the children of Israel are to go out and they are to, to go out and do, do certain shopping episodes for food and different things and, and disguise themselves to, to uh, be able to meet at, at Sila because this is where all, all the whole congregation, there's a scripture that shows that the whole congregation was there which was the additional to the army. And when we begin to see that this rib cage, which is one of the, of, of the descriptions when you look up the word harnessed, that it gives for the meaning of harness, like the ribs, the rib cage. So that this very connection to the high place of God which ties into this Sila rock place, has a meaning of harnessed in the idea that the most ancient and best latest things that they have discovered for the meaning of that word, which is, they say, very convincing, is that it's about the rib cage and the, the flank. And this the whole thing of the flank is part of the harness meaning. Now more and more and more we're beginning to see how that there are all of these incredible connections. And I, I advise you to look up Deuteronomy 33.29. That was one of the parting promises that was given by Moses before he, he passed on that the, the God, people of God were going to possess the high places. And look up Isaiah 58, 14, and Micah 1, 3, and see how that, that all ties in. And there are many, many other beautiful scriptures eventually I want to share in that revelation. But what keeps happening in the continuum of this episodic teaching of the Exodus escape is the awesome compilation of word upon word 
that is spiritually and biblically endorsed because it is a revelation by the Holy Ghost which is the spirit of truth. So we know that we belong to a calling. We who are the destinata. And we know that that calling was given us and existed belonging to us before the world began. Timothy 1.9 and 1 Corinthians 2.7. And that God ordained wisdom for us that belonged to our glory before this world. And we know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible says emphatically in 1 Timothy 6.16 and Hebrews 12.14, no man hath seen God or can see God. So we've got to get into these understandings to understand where things are going. And we know that there are have been entities that have risen like Lim, Nimrod, Genesis 10, 8 through 10, son of Cush, but who was a very powerful demonic type of person and who built the Tower of Babel and who was the, the king of Babylon in the land of Shinar where the, the captive Israelites tried to build a place unto God. And we know that Nimrod was involved with the sons of the Anakim and, in fact, with Satan. And we know and have been teaching that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. And the Bible has promised us in John 8, 32, you shall know the Holy Ghost. And John 14, 17, that it is the spirit of truth. And John 15, 26, that it is the comforter. And that God is moving by his spirit in these teachings to prepare God's people for this utterly important revelation. Now in my preface of this meeting, I sent out a broadcast announcement that reads along this line. There are significant distinctions of knowledge which belong to the welfare of all Christians regarding having insights not ordinary. In the power of fulfilling redemptive prophecies, both allegorical and typological of suppositions, a prominence stands out about Godwins and Shekinah glories that imbue the epilogues of the Bible regarding Job, Elijah, and Ezekiel. It is these three just-said personalities who are written about in three Bible books which reveal divine goals not set into law, but rather described through a new manna of the mind, 
in mysterious ways that nevertheless collect or connect to the ministry of Moses. There are manifested reveals that rise with indubitable moments of revelation which will never be silenced. Raise your hand wherever you are, your right hand, and speak to your spirit soul saying, yes, this revelation will never be silenced in me. In a recall reveal of a once of when about a place that wise men gathered to meet and discuss wondrous things, at that place, sagacious ones, sagacious ones sought for discovery of ancient and invisible wisdom long seated in the stardoms of time. Now, sagacious, if you don't know that word, means wise people, wise ones. So at that place, sagacious ones sought for discovery of ancient and invisible wisdom long sealed in the stardoms of time. This was no other than the high place called Bama. Now I found where some time ago some person who hated Obama took and put an O in front of the word Bama and made it out that this was talking about Obama and that he was like a devil in the high places of government. Shame on that person because it is a dangerous and disastrous thing to ever take the Bible and misuse it and apply it to something that it is not talking about, especially something so sacred as the meaning of the revelation of Bama. The location has for a long of time remained a mystery in it. In a book, Proverbs, written by a wise man called Solomon, he wrote, A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty. Proverbs 21, 22, KJV. The word scaleth is a key. In the great book written by James Strong, Strong's Concordance in Hebrew-Greek Dictionaries, the Hebrew Dictionary H5927 speaks in prints of meanings. It is especially deep of the value of knowledge to understand that the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar for burnt offerings, was for one season at in Gibeon. Now at that time in Gibeon, First Chronicles twenty one twenty nine was a very interesting time in which David was so fearful of all of these holy articles that he he just he stayed as uh, away from it. He was just so, he he just didn't feel that with all his um, extra style of doing things that uh, he was holy enough to be too close to it. You can find that in First Chronicles twenty one thirty. But the the interesting thing about this Gideon thing, I, I've seen that some scholars have tried to make this place 
that is called Bama to be in Gideon. Well, it was there on a temporary basis. First Chronicles twenty one twenty nine, But that was because the Ark of the Covenant and this whole aspect was a traveling ministry. And it's very, very clear that it was a traveling ministry and that it did move from place to place. And this, uh, there's many scriptures to substantiate that. I don't have the time to read them all now. So the word scaleth, quoted from Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-two, is revealed of its amazing wealth of deep explanatory insights in such terms as, and this is, this is, these are some of the terms of the word, scaleth, mount up, be carried away, be carried up, vapor, like spirit, or like Shekinah glory, went away to, in Strong's, H5927 and H5941, and the connection to Yahweh in all of that. Numbers 23.9, for from the top of the rock I see him. This scripture describes the high place of the rock city, the Mount of Selah, Petra, at the Kaddish area. Understand these high places were under constant choice for use by the dark forces and well and as to the ministry of the Holy Call. So, these things described as high places were used by the forces of the, of the darkness, by Satan's followers. But don't think for one minute that people of God just give it over, just give it over to the dark side because there is a time that always comes through and has always come thus far throughout the courses of history in which God's people have taken a stand and reclaimed these holy sites and these holy truths and these holy endeavors and these holy promises and the holy future. And when the Bible says the day will come that I will send you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain, in due season, they believe that, and they know it's going to happen. Now, I just finished this this letter that I sent out, and then we'll get Jan involved here. In Ezekiel twenty twenty nine, it's written, "Then I said unto them, What is the place where you go unto? And the name is called unto this day, Bama." The prior and is a, as I like to call it, synodaki or synodeki, if you use the other pronunciation. But believe it or not, there are several different ways that different, even scholars pronounce it. <laughs> Therefore, based on the synodeki or synodaki, Therefore, it is revealed that major related information belonging to the word Bama, belonging to the word Bama, is missing. That when we read these things, we don't get the whole story in that one particular scripture. But because the Bible is a book of books, 
you can find many of the other things that are missing by going through the Bible. And the mysteries of the Bible's science as Z or Z-I-O-N or S-I-O-N, like Mount Hermon, which is described and told to be a, a Zion, Deuteronomy 4.48 and Romans 9.33 tells about the other mount in Jerusalem. So the scripture emphasizing these significant things like in Habakkuk 3, 3 through 6, MIV, says that the Holy One came from Mount Selah of Paran. And Psalm 68, 17 and Deuteronomy 33, 1, 2 verify that same thing. So then from Habakkuk 3, 3 through 6, Mount Seir can be seen to be the second Sinai, but this covenant location being in Arabia. And this, this comes uh, to the connection of such terms as Teman, referring to two nations of Jacob and Esau, and I'm going to get into that next after I just finish this little bit left. And this ancient word very much connects to Job and his book to the ancient places, the Rock Mount city of Selah, where wise men came to meet, Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 3, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up on Seir. He shined forth from Mount Paran. Solomon writes of this secret place, O my dove. Thou art in the cliffs of the rock, in the secret place of the stairs. Song of Solomon 2.14. Keep in mind that Kadesh Barnea is Petra, Mount of Selah, the rock city. Janet Lee.
Well, thank you, Janet Lee. And that definitely came from heart, spirit, plan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so back to Bama. And let me sort of finish up with this. So Ezekiel twenty twenty nine. then I said unto them, where, where is this place that you go? And then it says, and the name thereof is called Bama unto this day. I'm satisfied with that. Unto this day, I'm still going to call it Bama. Unto this day. And in Isaiah 58, 14, it says, I will cause thee to ride on the high places, which means Bama, the heritage of Jacob. And when we look at, at, at scriptures, for instance, in Isaiah 6, <clears throat> and in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each with six wings. Twain he covered his face, twain he covered his feet, twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. There are high places of the mind. There are high places of the spirit. There are numerical references of different levels which have differentiation to low and high. The 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold. And the Bible tells us that when prophets had thought they were the only prophet left, that he always has others that are reserved. And we see that in this Isaiah 6 chapter, verse 13, but yet in it shall be a tenth and it shall return. And ye shall, and, and it shall be eaten as a tile tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so shall the holy seed be the substance therefore or thereof. And so you see that God always preserves a sacred tenth. And that ties into symbolic things very deeply in the Bible. Now, when we look about this, these wise men of Teman, and we will be talking about who some of them were, in the book of Obadiah, which is just after the book of Amos and just before the book of Jonah, it says in Obadiah 1, verse 8, Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the Mount of Esau? Now this is King James. It's not the greatest interpretation or translation, but even nevertheless, even as it is, when you look at it properly, you can find some very relevant meaning. Now, people think that what it's saying here is it's going to destroy the wise men. That is not what it says. It is saying he will destroy 
the location where the wise men were meeting, that that will be destroyed from out of Edom. That there come the day that, it, that, that one of the places of the covenant that was a place for the wise men to, to meet at that Selah, that it will not continue to always be the place that, that the wise men will meet again. That that was a time and that was a place and that was a dedication. But if you read some of the revelations that Ezekiel gives on it, you can see that God is closing that out. And thy mighty men, O Tima, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount Esau may be cut off by slaughter. This is not talking about the wise men. It's talking about the mighty men, the army men of Teman. And we'll come to the scriptures on that later. And now in verse 21 of this same chapter of, of Obiah, you get the culmination of its true essence. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So now we see by this scripture that there is a, a place in which the wise men meet that, is going to, that they are going to be moved. That the wise men's meeting place are going to be transferred to Zion which is called um, which which is called uh, the um, Mount Z uh, Mount Hermon. So this book of Obadiah uh, is a very important book because it is showing that there is a coming a day when this 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 place of worship that had a really incredible background in history is going to be moved. And there's going to be saviors that are going to be involved in this change. And this is going to be transferred. And we know that Mount Zion, when you start looking up that word, that there are two references. And both of these are going to end up being on the border of, you might say, the Philistines, because that's right, you know, where Hermon is. The Mount Hermon is just right there at Damascus. And that gets into those related people to the, to the Edomites and all of those people. And so we see that it has moved there to Mount Hermon, which, by the way, is the tallest mountain in Israel and is now under control of Israel. And then there is still the Zion that is in a Jerusalem area. And there will now, in the future, be where those two mountains will be represented. And that, ladies and gentlemen is pure Bible. So, in First Chronicles 21, 29, the tabernacle of the Lord which Moses made in the wilderness and the altar for burnt off offerings was at that season in Gibeon. Verse 30, David would not go there because he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. So things are so beautiful. They are so awesome. And Numbers 23, 9, for from the top of the rock, Mount City, 
revelations that are still very much in need of being unfolded because they tell a story that is still relevant, that still applies for the people to have the knowledge of. And it is gorgeous. Now, we just, we'll come back to that more, but we, we must not miss this aspect of the Spirit. For without the Spirit, we don't get into the deep things of God. So, we see in Ephesians 4.23, where the Scripture says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, that may be a deeper thought than people have ever imagined. That may be that it is saying that when we as angels fell into the mortal bodies, that it had a stun effect. It stunned our mind. Uh, there was a sort of state of suspension that the minds went into. But the scripture is letting us know that the Holy Ghost promised by Jesus could bring back our memories. And here the scripture is you know, exciting us to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, not the brain of your human head, body, but the spirit of your mind, which is the identifying intelligence, memory, and knowledge of the spirit that is in your body, which is the angel of your presence. Now we have to understand that many times the word is referred to as the spirit. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. So this two-edged sword, we have the two sides, the duality of the human being. He's a compound being. He's 50% flesh. He's 50% spirit. And it's a two-edged sword. And there are piercings that go on. But one of the greatest gift of piercings that can happen is to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit so that we can get into the understanding of cognizance in the spirit. And so in 2 Peter 3.19, when Jesus went into the spirit world and preached to the spirits in prison, he was speaking spirit to spirit. He wasn't speaking human to human. So in Psalms 104, and that, by the way, was 2 Peter 3.19, in case I hadn't said it. And that then goes Psalms 104.30. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. You see, the, the spirit is the essence of creation. The spirit is the power. Psalms 139.7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Whether shall I flee from thy presence? There is something about the Spirit that is capable of being everywhere. It's what scientists are looking for, you know, the, the theory of everything. And they're looking to find this in the flesh world of which the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. But if you want to know the secret of everything, then you want to get into the Spirit revelation. 
because there is no place that you can really go anywhere that is not touched by the essence of the Spirit, even your spirit, because it's eternal. And then we have this awesome revelations in Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. If you want to know about your human self, really want to know, if you want to know about its health, about its sickness, about its genetic inheritances, some which are good, some which are not good, if you want to know about the things of God, the Bible tells us that the secret, as spoken of in Proverbs twenty twenty seven, is that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the body. And so, these are so important, so important. Well, we've got spirit, and then we've got this thing called ghost. And we've explained that <clears throat> you can have a Holy Spirit and not have the ghost of the Holy Spirit in operation, but just the aspect of the Holy Spirit in operation. But if you are filled with the Spirit, then it becomes an entity of the ghost. So having the Holy Ghost represents the fullness of the Spirit. So then it becomes something that can be described like the dove or like the flames of fire, which has very deep, awesome meanings. And we get into these, these ways of saying things that have such relevance when we start really getting into the meaning of what the, the difference of, of just saying spirit and saying the Holy Ghost or saying ghost. Now, does ghost ever apply to humans? Of course it does. All the way back to Genesis, Genesis 25, 8 and 7. And Abraham gave up the ghost and died. There seems to be something really clear about sometimes people have control just like Jesus did on the cross when he gave up the ghost with a loud voice and then went into that, that instant slot of death so as to fulfill the scripture. And Abraham gave up the ghost and Isaac gave up the ghost. Genesis 35, 29. Or in Genesis 49, 33, yielded up the, up the ghost. So that this aspect of, of gave up is very much clarified as something that the in, individual has control of in the sense that the terminology yielded up the ghost. And Job said, you know, why did I not give up the ghost at birth? And at that time he was very despondent for all that had happened to his family. And Job, though, recognizing the power of the Spirit, said in Job 6.13, Is not my help in me? And also in Job 6.18, it says, In the paths of their way, it speaks of the paths of their way, 
and and uh, we're, we're we're getting into very interesting things because Job six nineteen speaks about the troops of Tema, the companies of Sheba, waited for them. They came thither, waited for them that came thither, thither and were ashamed. We see that there is a, this name Tima is not to be overlooked. We're going we're gonna to expand on that. It's a really big name. We see that it involves troops. We see that this term Sheba, like Queen of Sheba. Of course, there's Beersheba. Beersheba is talking about seven wells and some very spiritual things and some very physical things. But there's the troops of Tima and the companies of Sheba. And Job in 6.10 says, I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. How well at Psalms, uh, pardon me, at Job, which is just the book just before Psalms. And we read that Job did not conceal. And we find it interesting, the terminology. Job 38, 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, and I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. <clears throat> Verse 5. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Verse 6. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? 7. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sound, sons of God shouted for joy. Here is the most incredible, awesome revelation. It is tied into the whirlwind revelation, the whirlwind that's first revealed to Moses in the book of Genesis. And all of the awesome connections and meanings, as I shared with you, about the whirlwind revelation. And how that, that is just no small thing, ladies and gentlemen. When we start talking about the whirlwind revelation, we, we get into the, uh, the possibility of immaterial supernatural beings, which is talking about an angel of our spirit. We're getting in, we get into the spirit, we get into the breath of God, the spirit of God, all tied into this word whirlwind, which incorporates the to the Sabbath by the spacious being refreshed. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, walking with God is a lifestyle. It's a pattern of conduct. It's a methodology of how to fade away from the body having dominance, the, the carnal mortal body having dominance, and getting into the dominance of one's spirit. And they gave up the ghost. That means that Abraham and Isaac had reached the point where they weren't just 
filled with a degree of spirit, but they, they had a contact with a full understanding of their inner being. And it was called a ghost. Now when we start talking about the Spirit of God, and we get into the Revelation, uh, where it says in Habakkuk 1.13, Thou art pure eyes. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. We have an explanation of why God of the first presence does not ever leave the first domain, which is pure, holy love energy, and never goes out into the domains of the universe, because his eyes will never look upon the evil that is out there, and of which the Bible says nothing in the physical world can inherit the kingdom of God. Even things that have evolved to become intelligent. And we're not preaching evolution when we say that. And so we begin to get into these things about the paths of their ways, which is talking about this, the wisdom. We begin to get into these revelations that are so absolutely important when we start getting into the deeper things that involve the Holy Spirit. So we have a, a ghost. And then there is this Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can come from the first presence of God out into the universe and be involved with our ghost spirits because they have an involvement in the common denominator of the spirit reality. And so when we were preaching and teaching last week in 1 Corinthians 14 about being able to speak to God in mysteries spirit to spirit and to sing in the spirit as well as to sing in the physical and, and cognizance of our physical communication, we begin to understand that the baptism with the Holy Ghost is really a fantastically awesome, important thing. And even the conception of Jesus Christ and Mary using deferred progenity, the Bible says in Matthew 1, 18 through 20, that Christ was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And Matthew 3.11 says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Well, people don't always understand how that, that there is a point at which your spirit becomes overshadowed. And when your spirit becomes overshadowed, then what's happening is like that shadow of God that overshadows you, which Peter understood the power of the shadow and sometimes when their shadow would pass over people, those people were miraculously healed. And there is an image there. And understanding the power of that image and how that that all connects to God's holy ghost overshadowing our ghost. And we're not ready to give up our ghost at this time. We still have a work to do. 
But we that are filled with the Holy Spirit have a connection to the Holy Ghost. Matthew 27, 50 says that with a loud voice, Jesus gave up the ghost. says the same thing in Mark 15, 37. Now in John 7, 39, it says the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And this means that it was only selectively before then. Because we know that in Acts 1, 16, that the scripture says that the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David... And so we know that there were people that it speaks of that spoke by the Holy Ghost. But we realized there's, it was a selectivity and then God changed it, made it available to everybody. And that's what it's talking about. So Acts 4.8, it talks about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, in this thing that we're talking about having a special meeting, spirit to spirit by voice, using the voice, but spirit to spirit, we see that in Acts 11.15, it is written, When I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. So we have absolute Bible for what we are saying that we're going to be doing. And that's, that's just... That's just one aspect. There's more. We're going to we're talk, talk about other scriptures that are just absolutely sol, uh, they're beautiful. And the Bible says in Hebrews 2.4 that gifts come by the Holy Ghost. And we see that in Hebrews 9.8 that the Holy Ghost signifies the way. In Romans 15.16 we show that the Holy Ghost sanctifies us of the Spirit. And that our renewing, as described in Titus 3, 5, is by the Holy Ghost. And it even talks about having a communion of the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. So, it's fascinating. We see in Acts 28, 25, well spake the Holy Ghost by Elisha. So the Holy Ghost was speaking back in the Old Testament before Pentecost, but not everybody was a recipient of it. In Acts 21.11, thus saith, thus says the Holy Ghost. So, and I want you to get a hold of this one. I want you to get a hold of this one. I want you to get a hold of this one. I shared with you Corinthians 14 and how that we can speak mysteries in spirit to spirit. Well, in Jude 1.20, it clearly identifies to this. And it speaks about praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 1.20. Or there's only one chapter, so just do Jude 20, verse 20, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I like to think of that scripture 
that is to be shared with you people that are seeking this experience. And say with Matthew 3.11, you shall be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow. And did you know that the Bible tells us that the temple of the Holy Ghost is our spirit? But many churches have taught that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that would only be in a quite different functionary way. But the temple within, the Spirit is the temple. In Acts 10.44, once again, verification for this teaching that I'm talking about, the, the hearing and receiving the Spirit. Acts 10.44 says, The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard. Now are we going to have a an experience? Yes, we are. Are we going to have a meeting? Yes, we are. Are we going to have a time that we're going to uh, bring people into this consequences of getting into their spirit within so that their, their spirit can, can be exalted to the place of the angel that it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, be excited. Keep excited. And don't look back. And don't think in a minor way. There's just much going on in the ceiling, you know, the S-E-A-L. We talked about that last couple times. About the sealing up of the stars, which is the angels. We've, we've been sealed. And the seal of every man, the seal of every power of the Holy Ghost to operate is sealed up and it has to, it has to be set free by the Holy Ghost. And God wants us to get into this. Because if we're going to come into the knowledge of that which was, which is, and which is to come, if those seals are going to be opened, we need to do it by the Holy Ghost. We need to come into the ancient and invisible truth that can only be made known by the Holy Ghost. And as I read before, John 14, 26 says the Holy Ghost will teach us all things. <clears throat> And bring all things to remembrance. Is that exciting? Absolutely is. Absolutely. No question. Okay. So, yes, there are things of revelation that the people need to know to be able to really understand the Bible and to really understand the Word of God about the powers of the principalities and about the river of time, and the meaning of mountains and rivers, and especially to come into the, the revelation of the thousand generations. Yes, there are things that people need to know about the abomination that make it desolate. The Bible says by Jesus that they, they need to read this and understand it. And there are things you need to know that 
that it is admitted in the book of Daniel that Daniel, in Daniel 9-2, understood about time and even some of the prophecies about time by the books. And it took the angel Gabriel to appear to him and have to show him that all of this scholarship and intelligence that he thought he had of understanding time by the books was incorrect. And finally, da Daniel had to, to come to the place in chapter 219 and 221 that the time appointed was long. And he had to begin to come into the revelations of the generations and the time times and the half times and the relevance of all of that. So this thing about Selah is incredible because the interesting thing it is expected that when Elijah fled that he went to to Selah as one of the places he eventually went to the Selah Rock mountain and the Bible says he traveled 40 days and 40 nights to reach Horeb, the mountain of God. But once you get over into that area, you remember that there's a connection there to Kadesh and scriptures. And we won't have time to talk about that right now. But we just want the people to come into these understandings. And we want to be able to show you how that the word teman can mean two nations. And although when you look up the word teman in the Strong's Concordance, it sounds like it's talking about just one thing. It sounds like it's talking about like if you're dividing right side and left side, it's talking about a certain side. But remember in our teachings that you can't have a north without a south. And there's no up without a down. And there's no case in which we can be talking the left side without a right side. Because that's part of the very descriptive aspect itself. So when we start getting into that kind of lingo, the deep of it is that it creates one of those sides being a negative and the other part of it being a positive and therefore creates two aspects. And I suppose we're going to have to think in terms of spreading this out, this thing of the whirlwind, and not being able to finish it because there, that when it talks about in Job about the land of, of us, that the land of us is name, the name of a person who was one of the offspring of Esau. And that these 
these wise people, these men that came and as comforters to Job were part of the wise men group. And Job was one of those wise men. And we want to show you this story of the wise people in the, the Teman revelation and how that, that ties into the, the Obadiah revelation and the Job revelation and the whirlwind revelation and connects all these things together in the most magnificent and beautiful way. And there's so much yet to say and so much to connect. But just before I close, I will share with you a couple things. I will share with you how that in the ancient book of Job, when it talks in chapter 1 about Job, that there is in this book a connection to the land of us, Jeremiah 25, 20, and Genesis 36, 28. And this connects to the wise people of the East. And we'll find that four of, of Job, that one of the comforters, the first comforters, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Temanite means Teman. He belonged to the Temanites. And he's one of them that's there, one of the wise men, counseling with Job. And there is so much more. Janet Lee at the organ.